Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to KHS 1220 and 98.1 FM in Los Angeles. Kind of a heat wave here today. A little hot. What do you think, Pat? I mean, it's also not 100 degrees, but I mean, it's a little on the warmer side. It's in the 80s. Anything above 70 degrees to me is hot, so yeah, you're right. Although it is LA and we, do, we are called sunny California for a reason. Although we did have rain, I think, on Monday. Very, very unusual. People didn't know what to do. They were like... Oh my God, it's raining. I don't have an umbrella for my car. Can I drive? Anyway. I just want to know, if Patty said the sky was blue, would you say, no, it's not blue, it's green? I just want to know. Just, well, first of all, I think sky, he would. First of all, the sky, I've never said the sky is green. Unless we're going to a different planet, the sky will not be green. could be light blue, dark blue, cloudy, sunny. Now, if you consider the sun is yellow and the sky is blue and you mix them together, you do get green. So, you know, got to understand. Okay, that's our, that's Alrighty, our, then. That's our Sesame Street <laughs> lesson. But we have one more Sesame Street lesson. And that is each week we talk about why we spell Brian with an E. But this week, I thought we were going to change it up a little bit. And one of the questions we have is... Last week, we came up with a new E, so we want to make sure that people are aware of this new E. Pat, do you remember what the new E was? Not one bit. I really don't remember. My memory is fleeting. Well, I, I guess when you get that age. Anyway, it's educate. We are attempting to educate oh, our yeah. listeners about business things. Plus, plus, the engineer who's working, as opposed to you who are playing games, is Emily with an E. So, we have two other reasons. Hello. <laughs> but Patrick, so why, why? More estrogen, more estrogen. Bethany, more estrogen on the call. <laughs> I like that one. Ah! Don't worry, I have enough testosterone to uh, destroy everything. Um, oh lord. Oh lord, indeed. I'm with you, Tracy. <laughs> so Pat, why why do we use E for educate? You know, I I, Wait, I still don't just care. that one, or you mean the rest? No, of let's these? let's use the E for educate. I mean, well, I mean, isn't that kind of self-explanatory because well, how do know, we how do we educate people by well how do you educate people by teaching them uh about well whatever the the topic or the lesson uh to be learned it's pretty generic i mean it's kind of you know i mean we're going into the the just how you know how do you educate someone of explaining how you educate someone you just teach someone well i i thought of a couple of things one of which is that some business owners you know they can listen to the story and through the story they can educate and say Hey, somebody did something this way and this way and this way, and they actually are successful. So maybe if I follow the formula, which is not an E, maybe that's a way to educate. What do you think of that? That's a good idea. You never told me of this formula, so hence I never knew. But now I do. But uh, you're an engineer, and you took chemistry in college, didn't you? That's a scientific engineer. I'm more of a, you know, chemistry is not computers. Chemistry is more, you know, like science experiments and like Dexter's Laboratory. Type stuff. Uh, what was that? That was Tracy. A sigh. 
That was a sigh. Well, you know, there Tracy, are, help me. Help there, me, there, Tracy. There are other E's, and if you're going to be tailing off there, then we have to get excited! <laughs> I don't want anyone sleeping on my show. And I, I kind of heard those yours over there. Even, that's not even possible, but okay. <laughs> All right. You know, our guest had no idea what he was getting into, and he's like going, oh, my God. How did they book me for this? What am I doing here? I have no clue what's going on, but hopefully he'll stick around. We have a very good guest today and a very good story to tell people. And basically, if you follow his story, follow his, his method and his formula, he will educate you how you, like himself, can create a big, huge company and starting with almost nothing. So without any further, Patrick? A-D-I-E-U. I didn't even say it. It's a dude. <laughs> Boy, he's a Poor nice Patty, you just seem defeated. You just feel, you just sound defeated today, Patty. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, <laughs> like, it's like clockwork, Tracy. What can I say? Tracy, it all has to do with the fact that I had to write an appellate brief, and I was working on the appellate brief all week until today, so I have a lot of that ammunition going on my on my side. So anyway, without okay. any further ado... A-D-I-E-U. And I why already do I like the word? Because every single letter minus the D is a vowel. So what's wrong with that? I never said there's anything wrong with that. What's good about? That? You know what? I have. You know, I don't. I can't even look into your mind on that one. Why is that? You tell me. Well, we're going to tell everybody that when we get back from our break. But because <laughs> we have such a great guest, we need to get going right in. So if we haven't uh, had the, our guest run away, uh, is Tuffy Shaw around? Yes, I am here. And you survived. Wow, that's a very. <laughs> <laughs> For that, we know that you have. One of the best features that you need to succeed in business, tenacity. You stuck it out. So Endurance. endurance. <laughs> a lot of it. <laughs> exactly. So people don't know who you are and what your company is. So first, tell us who you are, what your company is, and then give us a little background about how it all came about. Yeah, you bet. So first of all, thank you so much for having me on your show. And you guys are awesome. I've just been listening. It's been amazing. So super excited to be here. So my name is Tafik Shah. You're a big liar. Go ahead. <laughs> well, and he's got an, hey, and he's got an to, E I'm there, just too. I'm trying to catch up. He's got the E there. He's encouraging me. So that's even better. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry about that. Please restate your title and your company name. And we, we no, think you were telling the truth. <laughs> you, you're fine. You guys are great. So Tafik Shah, founder and CEO of Lola's Fried Hot Dog. So Lola's is a generational family recipe for my mom, Lola. So that's a little bit about us. I can dive into the story if you guys want, but uh, just let me know what you guys want to know. We'll get it out there. So right before we get into the story, I want to know what you did before getting into this company. And then maybe maybe a minute or two, no more than that. And then, then we'll get right into the story. So what were we doing prior yeah. to that? Yeah, you bet. So prior to this, I was actually a financial advisor. I've been in the financial services industry for, um, I'd say, about five to six years before I made the transition to selling my mom's hot sauce across the country. <laughs> so very different field than what, I was, than what I'm in now. So very cool. And how did you come up with the idea for a, you know, I mean, did you like your mom's sauce? And you said, hey, listen, mom, why aren't we selling this? Or, or how did it happen? Yeah. So, you know, one day I was having a food day at work and, you know, we had surprisingly a taco food day, which was perfect. And I'm just trying to think of what is the perfect complement to this assortment that I can bring? Because, you know, if you, you ever been in those corporate jobs and you have a food day and you, you go up to that table and you grab something, you don't bring anything, you feel a little bad. So I was trying to think, what can I bring? And I'm like, oh, you know what? My mom's hot sauce. So I literally grabbed a bottle, brought it in, 
took it to work. Everybody tried it and said it was the best hot sauce they ever had. And they said, you should be selling this stuff. And so right then and then was my aha moment. All right. Well, hold, hold on. Let's take a step back because what do you mean your mom had a bottle? It almost sounds like it was already yeah. selling a product. No. So, so going back so my mom, she is Filipino. So she's a, she's an immigrant from the Philippines, a doctor, mind you, came to Iowa where we're located at to take care of local farmers. And growing up, my mom had the opportunity to start her own medical practice, you know, helping a lot of these farmers. And they brought tons and tons of delicious produce. So my mom had been making this hot sauce since I was a kid. And one of her things was always to make sure that we were having a nice hot meal. And it was accompanied by this hot sauce. So, you know, it just kind of stuck around ever since I was a kid all the way up until I was like, you know, to now, my mom would make bottles of hot sauce and just hand them out to me and my sisters for fun. So that's why it was around. <laughs> it was in a mason jar, by the way, not a bottle. <laughs> so if I went to your house on Halloween and I was nine years old, would I got uh, some hot sauce? You know, you just might. <laughs> hot sauce and a side of candy. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds interesting, actually. <laughs> now, when you say hot sauce, are we talking like Tabasco? Are we talking hot salsa? Are we talking uh, wasabi? What, what are we talking about? Oh, man, those are fighting words right there. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm ready to go. So not like, <laughs> so Tabasco, not trying to be like them. They're, they're a great company. They've been around forever. This is more of a different type of flavor. I mean, everything that we use, it's all natural. It's vegan. It's gluten-free. We use fresh, real ingredients. We source everything from farmers and try to grow as much as we can locally. So we really only have five to six simple ingredients. And it's one of those hot sauces that's full of flavor. I don't know about you, but some of those, you know, standard ones, what, such as Tabasco and others, to me, they're just kind of vinegary. They just don't have enough heat or flavor. And this is kind of that perfect blend between flavor and heat with a little bit of umami in there. So you just get a delicious taste that enhances all of your cuisine. Well, I think the reason why I mentioned Tabasco is I went to the University of Buffalo. And when I went to the University of <laughs> Buffalo, that's when Buffalo wings were just starting out. So Tabasco was a main ingredient. But I just thought of a, a new thing you could do, right? You Instead of having people make a recipe of buffalo wings with Tabasco, let's use the bolo sauce. Let's try that out. Let's exactly. And you know what's even better? We actually have a hot sauce that's called Buffalola. So it's a buffalo creamy butter sauce that we make. It's delicious. We have it in a jar. We sell it in retailers. It's fantastic. And we sell it online. So let's again go back. So you have this idea that, hey, people like it. You know, uh, how many years ago was that? So I started Lola's back in 2016. And did you start it, was it just you, or did you start it with your sisters, your brothers, your family, or, or what? Oh, it was just my mom and I. So my mom and I, you know, we were still working our corporate jobs before we moved out, you know, moved on and transitioned to this full time. But essentially, my mom and I would rent a commercial kitchen every single weekend. And I'd go to that kitchen, and I'd make hot sauce. And then the following week, I would go sell it at any farmer's market I could. So literally, we did that. It was a grind after grind after grind, and it was so much fun. So what about the bottling and the labeling? Because I would think that you have to have it in a bottle, right? So did you like have a pre-made a company that did that for you, and then you were able to put it in each jar, or how, how was that? Or is just the mason jar? You know, that, that's a great question. So we actually used the same woozy bottle that we used back in the day. So I mean, really what we did, it came down to doing a lot of research and just trying to learn as much as I could. So, you know, I went online and looked, hey, how do I get a glass supplier? How do I find a label maker? I mean, back then, you know, <laughs> my mom and I were buying the five-ounce woozy bottles off maybe Amazon or eBay or something, bringing them home, and then literally our label was like an Avery Craft Brown label. You know, the ones that you get and print off your printer? That's exactly what we had. So that's how it started. <laughs> now, I know that if you sell these in stores, you have to get something called the UPC code, Uniform Product Code, and you have to actually apply for it and, and get a unique UPC code for your bottle. So 
how long did it take you before you got into that area? You know, that's great because it's a great question. So, you know, after doing the farmer's markets for a year, you know, 2016 to 2017, it was just really a grind, loading my car up and selling my hot dust that we'd been baking out of the commercial kitchen. And I said, there's got to be a better way to do this. You know, being in Iowa, you know, the, the next logical choice, you know, we have Hy-Vee and we have Fairway. So we're like, you know what? I want to go to these retailers. They all brought it in, but they said, you've got to change your label. It doesn't follow code. So I literally, you know, spent hours of my day just learning how to do it. And it was all self-taught, you know, you can find it all on Google pretty easily. <laughs> and then how long did it take you before you knew you had a hit? Was it on day one or did it take a couple months or a couple years or, or what? You know, it's crazy because, that, you know, I get asked that question quite a bit and it was actually almost like instantly. I remember Hy-Vee being our first major retailer to bring us in here in the Midwest. And they literally, they're like, we love your hot sauce. It's the best. And then they immediately put us in like 50 or so stores. And then we were now chain wide and all 260 plus. But our next biggest validation in, in this business was Kroger. You know, I, I somehow, I don't know what I did. I was just reaching out to all my contacts from being in the advisor world. Somehow found somebody that worked at Kroger who connected me to another individual at Kroger. And, you know, I sent him a bottle of the hot sauce. He replied back and said, this is the best hot sauce I've ever had. We're putting you in the planogram for period eight. And I had no idea what the heck that meant. <laughs> That's all great. But my question is, so your mom, pa, or actually your ma and yourself, right? And you're starting this business and you've got now, you've got some people, I mean, even 50 stores, forgetting about Kroger, just 50 stores. I mean, it's a big jump to go from selling at a swap meet and you're doing it in the commercial kitchen yourself and making, you know, 300 bottles a week or whatever you could do to actually be in 50 stores, have a label and have a product. How did you go from that? That sounds like a very big step that people think, oh, it sounds easy. and Oh, you just hire people and it gets done. But it's not an easy concept. I know a little bit about this. So maybe you could tell our listeners about that. Yeah, so it's a great question. So you're absolutely right. It's not easy. So along with researching the information, one of the biggest things I did was look for a co-manufacturer. So, you know, I literally just went on the internet and browsed around different sites and different co-packers and called them. And, you know, we found a small batch co-packer that could really help us and guide us through this process. So they were able to make, produce, bottle, and give us a compliant label. And, you know, I learned all about GS1 coding and everything like that and figured it out. You know, you got to go to GS1 and register it, and that's how you get your UPC and G10. So it's, a, it's definitely a learning curve, but having those co-packers that are educated and helpful along the way have been an incredible amount of help. And were they the same people that helped you with the label? Because labeling has a lot of requirements. You know, it's not just the ingredients. Also, if you want to put on there gluten-free or organic or natural, there's certain requirements you have to make in addition to having the ingredients listed there. So did you have a label person help you out there? Was the, was the company do that for you or did you do that yourself? Yeah, so we did have a label company. We worked with the label company that our co-packer had referred us to, and they really helped us kick our label off the ground and make sure everything was compliant. And you're exactly right. You have to have certain certifications. And, you know, the good thing was we had not only our co-packer, but a labeler that was very experienced in the consumer package good space to say, hey, look, this is what you can do, and this is what you can't do, and this is how it needs to be done. So great to have mentors. Mentors are, are very good. In fact, you're probably mentoring some people out there that are thinking, hey, my mom's soup tastes great. Why can't I be selling that in the store? You know, Campbell's isn't that good. It's all kind of watered down, sodium, whatever. You know, people are saying that. That's what Patrick keeps on saying once he stops using his telephone. But, uh, you know, eventually he'll say that. So a couple questions. So how long did it take you to get into those 50 shows? That was first year? Yeah, so that was the first year. You know, we, you know, Hy-Vee uh, really didn't have a local Iowa hot sauce at the time, and we were able to present to their their buying team, and they said, we love it. We love your packaging. We love your style. We're going to bring it in. 
So all within the first couple of months of presenting to them. Now, did you know somebody there that said, hey, listen, it's, it's great. I want to get in the store. How, how did you get that, that meeting? Even? Yeah, you know, it's a good question. You know, I, I didn't know anybody at Hy-Vee, honestly. So, I mean, the great thing about them about five years ago is as long as you have a good product and you meet their codes and regulations, they can bring it in store by store. And, you know, the great thing is we got into one store and I asked them how about distribution. And they said, hey, this is the guy you got to contact. Contacted him and I just asked for a meeting and he said, come to my office, you know, we'll give you 15 minutes. And we did and presented and all of a sudden we got into their distribution channels. We have our, my co-host, Tracy. Tracy, before you get started, I did have that last question about the shelf space. So I've been told that sometimes some retailers sell their shelf space and sometimes they don't. What's the rule on that and how does that work and have you had to do that? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So, you know, some retailers are like that and some retailers aren't, especially, you know, with us, we're minority owned and certified locally right here in the Midwest. So being Asian minority owned has been a super tremendous help. But yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, a lot of the shelf space outside of Iowa and some other places that we work with, you do have to give some sort of promotion to get that shelf space, which we do. Um, And then you also have to meet certain thresholds for terms, you know, how many people are buying your product. So, you know, we really work close with those retailers to try to negotiate to get a good deal on the shelf and then get things rolling and prove ourselves and then just add more from there. Now, once you have paid for shelf space, if you have to do that in certain circumstances, uh, is it ever a time where they say, well, the product is too good, so we're going to not charge you as much? Or or is it something that, you know, once once it's built into the system, they ain't letting go and it's always going to be that price or higher? <laughs> That's a good question. So, Really, if your product's doing really good, which we've, you know, knock on wood here, we've experienced throughout the past couple of years. And since I started Lola's, they'll just come back and say, hey, look, we're going to, we'll take less percentage on promotions and we'll add, we'd like to add more of your products. So it's always good when that retailer that you launched it with, you know, two or three SKUs comes back and says, hey, what else you got? So we're experiencing that now and we're, we're really riding that wave. And uh, before I turn it over to Tracy, the last question is, where can people go to get the product? Absolutely. So in, in the area of Northern Los Angeles, though, on the West Coast, we're in the same mark companies. We're with Lowe's, like the Lowe's Home Improvement Retailer. We're pretty much every single Lowe's, Whole Foods, Natural Grocers, Albertson, Safeway, and Select Bonds, as well as you can get it online, too. You can just go to lowlessfinehotsauce.com. We've got a great program there and even some promos. So be sure to check us out there as well. And Tracy, you're on. Thank you. Well, what a perfect segue into my first question, which has to do with Lowe's. Please share with us your experience and how you actually got into almost every single Lowe's story, because I think it's an entrepreneur's dream come true to hear what you are able to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. So, you know, Lowe's is an amazing retailer. The experience I've had has been amazing. So back in 2019, sorry, 2020, actually, Lowe's held a, their first ever virtual Making It With Lowe's Summit, which basically all of the Lowe's executives partnered with Damon John from Shark Tank to host the show. Where out of 1,300 applicants, they selected a few of them to make it to the final rounds and present their products to the CEO. Like we got to present to Marvin, the CEO, their VP of marketing, all the executives. And it was kind of a round robin Shark Tank style. Uh, Shark Tank style. So, you know, it's crazy. I went through it. I applied online and they just kept saying, hey, send us a video. Then it's another video. And then all of a sudden it was top 50, top 10, and then top three. So it was just an amazing experience to be part of that. It was almost a dream come true for us. So it was incredible. Well, and I can tell that 
that was really a great catalyst for growth for you. Would you say that that was the single one thing that was the biggest catalyst for growth for you? Or how can you attribute um, other areas that have gotten you into the stores that you're in today? Yeah, that's a good question. It's definitely one of the biggest catalysts, but I think the bigger one is just the customers that use our product and the retailers that have faith and have taken a chance on us, you know, because, you know, starting with Hy-Vee to Kroger to everybody else and then um, being able to maintain that shelf placement for five plus years, is it's no easy chore, but definitely the Lowe's thing was big. We, we was able to really, you know, in addition to winning placements in every single Lowe's store, they gave us a small business grant. They gave us a mentorship with Damon John, which was super awesome as well. And then basically, it just really helped us create more stability, build more jobs, and hire locally and work closely with our farmers to make sure that we get the best possible product. So it really did help. And I think, you know, this question was positioned when we were on the break, but I think it's really good for everyone to hear. How do you build the bridge between those who's known as a home supply warehouse, if you will, for construction and, and lawn and garden and things like that? How do you build the bridge between being able to have shelf space within Lowe's for a hot sauce product? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And, you know, that's actually one of the questions one of the executives asked. They asked, how do you see your product in our stores? And it's funny. So prior to even me knowing about the making with Lowe's, I'd always been a Lowe's customer. But I was walking through their store one time, and I saw they had a spice rack in their grill set that had seasonings, other hot sauces, and barbecue sauces. And, you know, I, then I saw the making it with Lowe's and I applied. So long story short, I had already been eyeing Lowe's and the fact that we made it to the top three, uh, it was just a perfect fit because, you know, grilling season, when you're smoking meats or you're whipping up something delicious, what's perfect than just adding a little kick and some delicious hot sauce to it. So it was the perfect fit and the perfect match. Well, and as a result of that, um, let's talk about your product. And, you know, you have your flagship product, but you also have multiple other products, even apparel and merchandise, but can you walk us through um, what are the different products that you sell in terms of your sauces and and food-related products? Yeah, absolutely. So we've really diversified our portfolio. It's been awesome. So, you know, when we first started Lola's, we just had the four flavors. We had the original, the ghost pepper, Trinidad Scorpion, and Carolina Reaper. Now, mind you, I know these are the world's hottest peppers, but we use just a little bit. Our focus is on flavor with just the right amount of heat, so nothing burns your face off, so you get to taste the true pepper. But since then, we've really expanded our lineup. You know, we've added, we've added a green jalapeno in Toronto, which is so delicious. We've added the buffalola, which is a creamy buffalo butter sauce. So take the best buffalo sauce you've ever had in your life and take it times 10 and add real butter to it. That's exactly what our buffalola is. And then we actually launched our family reserve, which is our ultimate heat head one. So it's super spicy. And it's just been incredible to launch that. On top of that, we've got salsas. We've got our smoked bacon and sweet corn salsa. We've got our hatch chili and sweet corn salsa, as well as our mild sweet roasted reaper and other varieties. And we have a Bloody Mary mix and seasoning. So we've really diversified what my mom made growing up for me and taken it to bring it to the masses. And you're really, really proud of your hometown, Des Moines. Uh, Des Moines. <laughs> Excuse me. Hello. Um, Des Moines. And I'd love to just share how, I mean, for you to share, golly, what is wrong with me today? I'd really love for you to share how the, commu- <laughs> how the community <laughs> has embraced, community has embraced you, your family, and your product. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I love Iowa. I love Des Moines. You know, being second generation from immigrants, because both my mom and dad are immigrants. My mom from the Philippines and my dad from Pakistan. So being born, you know, right here in the middle of the U.S., in the heartland where there's amazing farmers and tons of food and agribusinesses, it's just incredible. The community has really rallied behind us. And more so, they've rallied around our family and our story to really showcase what Des Moines has to offer. Because, you know, a lot of people say Iowa's a fly-by state, but I love Iowa. This is my home, and there's so many amazing things happening here, and it's the place to be right now. So we're really excited to share that, especially to your listeners and customers. So it's amazing. So let's talk a little bit about this family and business, because I know that it's such, it makes such a great story, and it's really wonderful, and I love how you share about your mom and, and the enthusiasm you talk about. But let's go behind the scenes a little bit. And how difficult is it really to work within and run a family-owned business? <laughs> That's a good question. So, you know, surprisingly very easy. My mom and I have always had an amazing relationship because, you know, growing up, my dad was in the U.S. Army, actually, and he was actively deployed and served 30 years. And so my mom was building her own practice and really raised me while my dad was, you know, stationed. When the military tells you, you got to go, you got to go. So. You know, we've always had a good relationship, and working with her is amazing. I mean, she does all of our quality control. She does everything from tasting to making recipes and developing new ideas. It's incredible to watch her work, and we get along very well. So it's been fun. So it sounds to me like you have really designated roles within the company. Can you share how that's worked, especially in the startup environment? And then let's also talk about how you're planning on scaling your team. So how do your differentiated roles work now? Yeah, absolutely. And we owe a lot of our successes to our team. Our team's amazing. So, you know, you've got my mom who's the head of quality control. She does everything and R&D development. So if it's a low, if it's going to, we're going to slap a Lola's label on it. She's the one that either, A, she had to, one, invent it. Number two, it has to taste good. And three, she has to test it when we go to large-scale production. We've got a fantastic marketing team that's internal. We also have marketing partners. We've got our sales reps. We've got our administrative team, which really are the backbone of our company. But really, it's, it's really our amazing team, which we have eight people on staff. And we're hiring uh, actually two more. And we have a new full-time person started with us. So really owe it to them. And, and scaling has been, been amazing with them. And where is the area that you really feel like um, you would like to see growth within your team? Like, what is the area that you would like to hire more people and, and really see growth happen from there? Yeah, so we'd really love to see, you know, everything from our administrative to sales team grow. You know, obviously, we, we're bringing on another sales, sales member, and the more sales you have, the more back-end work needs to be done. So, you know, we're, we're really working on that, and I'd love to see the team grow. and see if we can get into more retailers. I mean, we're just in the U.S. and Canada. There's other countries out there, Australia, Europe, Japan, you know, all those places. We want to get out there. That's, that's our goal. And how did you develop your branding? Did you use a marketing agency or did you develop it in-house? You know, that's a good question. I actually designed our brand, you know, so it, it's crazy. When I first started Lola's and started down this rabbit hole, I was just so attentive to detail. I've always been attentive to detail on the branding and marketing side. And, you know, I used kind of a random generator program. I can't remember what I used, but, you know, I, I fiddled around with it and I'm like, that's it. The chili pepper, Lola's fine hot sauce. It looks great. That's exactly what I want. Let's go. I love the simplicity of it. And I love just the clean font and everything that you did. And I'm sure that it has 
translated really well into your products and then in apparel and merchandise too. So is the apparel and merchandise really just for fun or is that a, a separate revenue stream for you that you want to grow? Yeah, so that's exactly what we want to grow in the apparel and merchandising. We actually created several really cool ones. And, um, you know, we created like fun little shirts with our local company called Raygun. Like we've got one that says Iowa more than, more than just the flyover state or something. And then we have one, you know, Des Moines more than just bacon and sweet corn. So we're like really trying to up the ante on our apparel game. And I think we're trying to make those strides and it's looking good. I love um, uh, our listeners can find us on your website where it says Iowa, but you use the pepper as the I, but it says humidity, yes, but don't forget the heat. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that one. That was hilarious. <laughs> that is definitely great. So with your, um, do you anticipate that you will stay a family-owned business for as long as possible? Or what are your plans to scale when you're talking international growth? Like that's a massive next step. How do you see the company evolving? Yeah, you know, so we're we're staying as a family business for sure. And, you know, we'd like to retain as much as we can and, and keep the controls because, you know, my mom, she gets the chance to taste us everything. But we've been open to taking a look at opportunities to help with that growth. But right now we're we're in a position where we don't really need to take on additional investors or anything like that. So it's been great to just be able to fund everything ourselves, and keep the momentum going and build the brand. And you mentioned that one of your th- one of the things that you're a stickler about is your attention to detail, which I think is an t- absolute success trait for any entrepreneur. What would you say maybe your other top two, other than attention to detail, so your top three, what would your other two examples of things that you feel like that have made you a successful entrepreneur? <laughs> That's a good question. Not to toot my own horn here, but I love talking to people. So being able to have amazing conversations and engaging, I think, I think the skill set and just really enjoying and talking to other individuals such as yourselves and um, really just the passion behind the brand. So, I mean, when I, I'm built the way where when I get involved in something, I love it. I breathe it. I live it. And I just do it over and over and it never stops. So my love for our company, our brand, my mom and her sauces and everything together, it's all just fueled by one thing. And that's to create the best hot sauce in the world. So those are the traits I would say. Okay. So, now I would like you to share, what do you find your top three struggles in the role of CEO or a startup? What are those top three struggles that you face? Or you can use, yeah, the, word, use the word challenges. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Challenges. <laughs> Good call on that one. positive, <laughs> upbeat, rainbow unicorn host over here. I can't even believe that you called me out on that. <laughs> well, especially since Facebook changed their name to Meta. So, you know, everything's changing. Go ahead. Okay, well, my, my positive attitude is not changing, just so you know. I'm still rainbow unicorn. But I digress. So what are your biggest challenges that you face as an entrepreneur and or CEO? <laughs> Very good question. So a lot of, lot of challenges. Well, I mean, there's, there's tons of challenges anybody faces going a business. You know, with the rate that we have, we have grown, you know, we went from, you know, almost being in, you know, 5,000 retailers to 10,000 within like literally, literally a few months. So scaling has always been kind of a challenge, but you know, it's nothing that we can't handle. So definitely scaling, making sure that your product is good and things like that. But we always have a great team in place, but you know, having a company and go through those changes is challenging sometimes as well as, you know, the supply chain right now, you know, right now there are disruptions everywhere, you know, being able to 
to maybe, you know, focus on what's important and what are the things that are coming in the near future with all these, you know, shortages and things like that. It's, you know, that, that can be a challenge as well as, you know, the big challenge is, you know, growing a team. You know, you've got a lot of meetings, you're hiring on more people because everybody's a jack of all trades, right? Everybody's doing a little bit of everything. So kind of sorting and segregating those tasks so people can do what they're good at and focus. So those are the top three challenges we face. You know, one of the things that I, I'm very surprised at that you have not mentioned, and it's usually the biggest factor for businesses, it's funding and money. Because when you're scaling a business and now you've got, okay, we've got 10,000 units that we're selling, and now we're selling 20,000 units, all right, there's a, usually a terminate a problem because your accounts receivable is going to take a while to come in. And so many, many businesses have this funding issue. I have not heard that at all, which I'm actually kind of shocked at. I'm also going to commend you on it, but I'm also shocked that that's not A, a challenge, and B, how you can self-fund that type of growth. Yeah, so, you know, that's actually a good thing. So, I mean, it was a challenge, you know what I mean? So, to dive into that, you're absolutely right. It is hard to get the capital to scale. And the thing was, you know, when I started Lola's, everything was self-funded. We were self-funding everything, you know. And I remember when we first got a massive deal, we got a really big deal with a third-party distributor launching in almost 800 new retailers actually in the Northeast. You know, we, we had challenges raising that money. So, you know, we never raised any money, but what we did was I went to so many different banks. You know, some of these banks, they just didn't understand the model. I think I went through like 25 banks before I finally found one that was like, yes, Tafik, we believe in you. We like your projections. We like your business. And I was able to get the funding I needed. And now that I've demonstrated that our business is doing well and we're able to manage our cash flows and revenues, they've been able to extend lines of credit. So that's been what's been able to really help us grow. So that's that. And on, on top of that, being able to have great terms with our manufacturing partners that we work with. You know what I mean? As you said, sometimes you might invoice a retailer and it takes 30 to 60 days to get paid. So being able to negotiate terms and having that relationship with your manufacturing partners to help scale and grow with you, it's a win-win. And we've been really successful at that. So that's how we've been able to keep that as minimal as a challenge as possible. Another question is, especially with COVID, especially what's going on with the ship containers and getting products in and out, how are you handling logistics currently with the supply chain problems with truckers, finding workers, et cetera. Do you have any of those issues? Yeah. So, I mean, right now it, 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 it is a serious issue. Trucking, freight, prices of gas have gone up, not enough workers to really get the goods and deliver the goods. We've been, we've been challenged with those, I would say, for the past four months. You know, the good thing is, though, we keep on going and we keep on fighting the good fight. But the way that we've really done that is by forecasting way into the future. We're already working on projections for 2023, bringing in the inventory ahead of the holidays so that when the holidays come here, that we're able to, to handle that and make sure that 2022 is a success. So, you know, we're, we're kind of rolling with the punches. It's tough, but we're, we're hanging in there. So give three lessons, three, uh, and they can be tips if you want, of what people need to do to be successful. Absolutely. You got to hustle, number one. <laughs> number two, patience. And number three, integrity, being a person of your word and doing the things that you're going to say are really going to help you get to where you need to be. And those are the top three tips I have. Well, that's interesting. Usually people are using the words like tenacity or, or, or something along those lines or passion. Those are the two I hear the most, tenacity and passion, that you have to love your product and you have to be constantly going. You, your three, uh, integrity I get because obviously if you're not honest and you don't have trust with 
your vendors and people, you're not going to succeed. But the other two I haven't heard before, so I have a question about that. And then secondly, how many people currently working for your company? Yeah, so right now we have nine full-time employees, and we're hiring on two more. And um, uh, how does patience, what do you mean by patience? Is that a form of tenacity that you have to just stick with it and realize it's going to may take some time, but you're going to get there? So it's a form of tenacity, or is it patience in, in another way? How are you using the word patience? Correct, exactly. Patience and tenacity. So, I mean, you know, passion, you just automatically assume that somebody's got that. If you're starting your business, you've got to have the passion. You know what I mean? But that, I think, should be an automatic given, because why would you get into business if you don't have the passion? But as far as patience, the tenacity, you're absolutely right. You know, being able to patient, watch your business grow, and be able to sustain all the challenges that happen there. That's exactly what it is. And what do you want to tell the audience? Uh, are you promoting something? Is there something about your product, something you want to say? Because we've got about... Yeah. Yeah, you bet. So Lola's, you know, it's a generational family recipe. We've got different flavors and varieties. Would love everybody to get a chance to try it. You can find us at lolasfinehotsauce.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Lola's Fine Hot Sauce. And uh, just thank everybody for, you know, the opportunity to be on this show and share our generational family story with everybody and your viewers. And do you have, uh, are you going to stick to the sauces or are you going to expand your product line? We are expanding our product line. We actually have four new products in development, two of them, which are super innovative. They're actually launching in the snacks category with something that we're launching. So it's going to be really delicious and unique. So watch out, Buffalo, uh, Buffalo style, well with uh, chips. Anyway, have a great week and we'll be back next week. Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian radio show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.